The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Welcome to a Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. Hanan, my lord. We have gotten word that the king of Israel, David, has sent some servants to come bring you gifts concerning the death of your father. <laughs> that was so nice of him. Bring them in. Pardon me, my love, but before you do that, do you really think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to search this city and to spy it out and overthrow it? You know what? That makes perfect sense. We must make an example out of them. Bring them in. Yes, my lord. So you guys came to offer condolences, huh? Quite convenient. Sounds like you guys really came to spy on us. And today, We'll make an example out of that. This is what happens to Israelites or anyone who thinks that they can spy on the Ammonite territory. Shave off half of their heads. Shave parts of their beards. And cut off their garments at the buttocks to reveal their nakedness. Get these spies out of here. Have you ever gotten your kindness repaid with evil? Well, in 2 Samuel 10, David finds himself in this exact same scenario. The Ammonite king has disrespected David's kind gesture. And in this episode, we are going to explore the ramifications of those actions. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, episode 103. Welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. My name is Earl Roberts. My name is Nikaz Gay. Yeah, so. Now we just progress. <laughs> so last week or weekly thought. Or <laughs> weekly thought. So I'm going to let you kick it off. It's more so kind of based off of your sermon. That was phenomenal, by the way. I, no, I appreciate props. it, bro. All, it was it was a really good message. I'm gonna let you kick off this weekly thought since it's like you know God inspired, but through something you mentioned. So, yeah. So I don't know if you all remember or if it's your first time tuning in. Um, I preached a sermon probably about three weeks ago um, on a Wednesday night. My friend Daniel, who's a pastor in South Carolina, invited me to speak via Zoom, and by the grace of God, um, I preached on Psalms one. 
uh, it's, I think it's a pretty common psalm. That's the psalm that I learned early on when I was probably about 12 years old. We had to memorize that in school. And I was reading it and it was talking about the blessed man. He doesn't walk with the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. And while I was meditating on it, I was just thinking, man, this guy is on a strict diet. You feel me? He's on a strict diet. Like, and oftentimes when I'm in my weight loss journey, I am on a strict diet. For those who know me, sometimes I get very, very strict. Zero carbs or low carbs, or I'm not eating past this time, or I'm fasting, you know, because if I were to allow myself certain luxuries or certain wiggle rooms, that would lead me down a path where I have no control over what I do. It'll lead me on a slippery slope. So the blessed man does not walk in certain ways because he's too busy. The Bible says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That's verse two of Psalms one. And when you get to verse two, it helps you to understand verse one. He's so... He is so in love with the word that he is not able to, to dwell in certain places with people who don't love the word or who aren't on a path to heaven. And so that's the overall concept of the sermon. And I titled the sermon, You Are What You Consume. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were roommates, I remember you used to read a lot. I'm, I'm sure you still read a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, you always sharpen in your mind. And I think maybe Miles Monroe, he had a quote along the lines of, you know, you are whatever books you read or who, mm-hmm. whatever people you hang out with. That's that's a summary or an amalgamation of you. You know what I'm saying? Like we put all that together and you understand why you are the way you are or why you make these decisions that you make. And the same thing applies to our spirituality. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, this week, I'll be honest with you, the past three weeks, I have been very unmotivated to read the Bible, bro. And that is trickling down in a lot of ways, bro. I've been unmotivated to meal prep, to exercise. Like, like mm. the things that are most good for us are usually the hardest to do. Mm-hmm. So eating your vegetables, some people just vegetarian, you know, I'm not talking to y'all, but I'm just talking to the person who just likes food. Like someone like me, just multiple types of food. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, the most healthy food are the most hard for you to cons- are the hardest for you to consume. You know, to eat a balanced diet, that's hard to exercise or to have discipline. I'm saying it's, it's, it takes a lot of work. It's never it's usually not easy to do that. And it's the same thing with our spirituality. And so. When we put good things in our in our mind or when we continue to feed our spirituality with the word in Psalms one, it says that the blessed man is like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, his leaf shall not wither, everything he doeth shall mm-hmm. prosper. So basically, good in, good out. You see the output because of the input. And that's the same thing with our spirituality. So just to summarize it, bro, basically you are what you consume. Definitely. I, I really I really appreciate that. Like, because, man, there's there's about three thoughts that come to my head. I hate saying numbers because you always go back and like, you know, realize you <laughs> missed a number or you say too much. <laughs> so I got a few points on that, right? The first thing is, man, it's you can't find this in the Bible, but you find this in other biblical commentaries, but it's like about Enoch. How devoted Enoch was in his studies to make it to heaven. He walked with God until he was no more. But you would read in these other biblical commentaries about Enoch where he would take whole seasons away and go in a cave and just re- just it's so funny because this is even before the time of the Bible. This is before the time of anything, but he was just spending so much time with God that God was like, I need him to come to heaven with me. 
what I'm saying? He built that connection and that, and that close relationship with God because he was consuming a lot of God's presence. We see Jesus would pull himself away from his disciples every now and again, pretty much often, like a lot more than you'd probably even think of recording the Bible, but he would pull himself away, you know what, just to fast and to pray and to spend time with his heavenly father. You are what you yeah. consume. You see him when he was young, Jesus would go into the tabernacle and he was so devoted into to reading and learning and talking about God. His parents left him in, in, in Jerusalem. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what it is? You leave your son and you didn't realize a couple of days later, but Jesus was in the temple this whole time, just consuming okay. God. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, on a, I guess for people, you know, secular level, talking about, talking about like, man, so this, to, the same, this, to the same point, people say like, you are the, you are the summation of the six people you hang around with the most, right? Then I heard it say, man, you actually become more like people who you read about. You know what I'm saying? It's so like you, you consume their nausea. Miles from someone you said, a lot of people know him, Napoleon Hill, um, Jean, uh, John Maxwell. You know, you read these books, these self-help books. A lot of them, some of them, you know, biblical principles. And again, a lot of these things, you kind of the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, but that's a story for a different day. But here's the thing. How do you become more godly? You, by reading and studying the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So like you become what you consume, you become who you, 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 you start to reflect who you spend time around with. You know what I'm saying? And so like, if me and you hang along with each other enough, me, crap, we were roommates for like four years, but it's like some of your traits rubbed off on me and some of my traits rubbed off on you just by osmosis, almost just by spending time around each other. You, you have a significant other. People say, Oh, you, I can tell you starting to sound like, Starting to sound like Yana because y'all spend so much time with each other, but that's how it should be with God. How do we, how do we become mm. more godly by Woo! spending more time with God? Oh, and, and that's like by reading the Bible. That's by like actually praying. That's by actually like communi- communing with God. But that's that's literally the only way. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the only way to become more godly. It's like if we want to be more like like how can you be more like Christ if you're not consuming Christ mm. and it's so much like, it's so much negativity in this world right now. And there's so much things that go against God. And that's why I feel like why your message was so important, because I feel like, especially as young people in today, we have to be so much more intentional about studying God's word. And this is for me too, man, because I know I definitely need to be more intentional, but you like, man, you don't even have to go far. You, go, you just go scroll on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, which is your ever preferred social media platform. And it's so much more worldliness that's not of God, that's being promoted, just smack dab in your face, that the only, by default, we're becoming more worldly. Mm -hmm. So we have to be more intentional about becoming more like Christ. And that means we have to be intentional about consuming more Christ. And I don't want to make it sound corny, but we have to be intentional about it because that's the, that's literally the only way, because by default, we're getting more influences of Satan. If we're not intentional, we're becoming more worldly. You know what I'm saying? And so you are what you consume. And by default, if you're not consuming more of God, by default, you're consuming the world. It's, 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 it, it, it sucks that that's like the unintentional default, but that's like, that's literally the default. The default is, is world. You have to be intentional about consuming God. That's Fox, bro. And then, See, the way I think about it is like you got when you go on social media. I, I promise you, if you're on social media for a year, at least once a year, you're going to see a conversation about how, why does negativity spread so fast and positivity? People barely see it. You go on the news, you only see the bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it's good stuff happening every day. You wouldn't know it by watching the news. I'll tell you that. 
the news. They highlight all of the, the sick and the bad stuff that's happening. And so basically it's, it's uneven. It, mm-hmm. it, it's a lopsided intake of information that we receiving. And then on top of that, you have the bad stuff. You have positive stuff that are not Christ, but it's not, it's, it's still fruitful stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Like, let's say like self-help and finances and like things mm-hmm. that help you to be more constructive as a person, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not necessarily helping you get closer to God. And then there are specifically things related to God, Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so my thing is, <clears throat> you want, it's only so much time in a day. The more you consume those other two categories, whether it's positive or negative, the less you're going to consume Christ. You feel me? You don't want to be the most fit athletic person to lose your soul. Oh, I spent so much time giving to charity and doing this and on the third, but I have no relationship with Jesus. I don't not know about the guy. You Mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? And so like, that's why it's so important to learn about God, to study the word. Like you say, Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention, because I wish I had read this Mm -hmm. when I was writing my sermon. And this isn't like an apples to apples comparison, but it still spoke to me. So I was reading the book of first Corinthians and <laughs> me, me and Yana got into a debate about this because Paul has, <laughs> and hold on, let me just pivot one more time. My mom <laughs> and I, we often have this conversation about like <laughs> how, how tricky Paul's writings are. You know, even Peter says it, even Peter <laughs> says like his, <laughs> this one can, can be really confusing. So Paul in, in first mm-hmm. Corinthians, he has this line where he's like, bro, I am all things to all people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, and so like I debate to what extent, bro, mm-hmm. do I have to be a drug dealer to hang around drug dealers just to infiltrate, just to minister to them? And that's me being extreme. But like, obviously there are things that conflict with the mm-hmm. word of God. You know what I'm saying? And so like, what then? How can you be all things to all people? So like, I feel like you have to, you have to use precept of one precept to really understand what he's saying in that line. But what was interesting to me is that when we get the second Corinthians in the second letter to the Corinthians, verse 14, people use this a lot, but not in the way that I'm talking about. It says, be not equally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, we, they talk, they talk all the time about marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And he said, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? To me, from verse 14, um, from verse from verse 14 to verse 16, just now, that's the first time they mention any type of romantic relationship. What part would he that believeth with an infidel? And infidel don't even mean like, 100% infidelity because mm-hmm. they say he that believeth, you understand? Mm-hmm. He that believeth versus he that transgresseth. That's basically what it's saying. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So basically they're trying to say, can salt and water, can salt, salt water and fresh water come out of the same spring? Basically, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So back to Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor mm-hmm. sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The closer you get to God, the harder it will be for you to coexist in certain situations to the point where you just can't, bro. You cannot see um, idols in a temple of God. If it's truly a temple of God, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You cannot see light in communion with darkness. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And so basically... You are what you consume, man. Like the more we consume input equals your output. That, and, and you can take that however you want to take. You can take it in a positive light and a negative light. 
That's a your fact, output is, is, is as a result of your input. That's a fact. That's a fact. Like, man, like, I know, like, I know we got to move on, right? But even to your point, on weeks where you feel yourself consuming less Christ, right? You feel your, like, but it trickles down into more areas of your life. You're not as happy, less motivated. And you're like, oh, that's just natural. I just want to be tired. But like, no, it, it makes a difference. Like, it literally, like, Christ literally makes a difference in your life. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, man, like, try it out. Uh, <laughs> this is really what it is. Just try it out. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. I can't tell you how to live your life, but try it out, man. Hey, give Christ a try. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I, I am reasonably sure it will not disappoint you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So we are in 2 Samuel. We are in chapter, chapter 10. 10. Last week, we did Friends and Enemies where we saw David's conquests, and then we saw his kindness to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Definitely check out last week's episode. Uh, yeah, we got into some stuff. I mean, my whole, I never had, I had the argument that <laughs> if, had Jonathan just let Mephibosheth know that about David's kindness, some of his, <laughs> some of his bitterness might have been spared. That's true. But... Yeah, man. Uh, any other thing but from last week's episode, like recap-wise, that probably stands out to you? Hmm. All I know is Mephibosheth, we're going to see him some more. So I, I think it was very necessary, you know, because obviously, as we read, we have questions, bro. Like, why was this excluded from the book? You know, mm -hmm. they allude to it, but they don't give us any context. But with the Mephibosheth thing, we see where David is a man that is playing everything by the book. I want to be I want to be so, so, so clear on that. David is doing everything by the book. And I know that I have been hard on David sometimes, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Not all the times, but I would, I would like to take the point out during his entire kingly reign, reign as summarized by 2 Samuel, David is playing everything by the book. He didn't usurp mm -hmm. the throne. He was patient. You know, he didn't repay um, people's evil for, for goodness. He didn't celebrate that. He, he reprimanded people. And he made good on his promises. And that's also the mindset that David, we can see that continued as we, as we go through this chapter as well. Mm -hmm. So in 2 Samuel verse 10, reading from the New King James, it happened that after the king of the people of Ammon died and Hanan, his son, reigned in his place, then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash as his father showed kindness to me. So, Seems the last time... oxymoronic, right? <laughs> yeah, like the last time we heard of this king Nahash was all the way in 2 Samuel... Uh, first, you're right, 1 Samuel 11. <laughs> right. 1 Samuel 11, and this was the same king Nahash of the Ammonites, king of, king of the Ammonites, who was about to gouge out the Israelites' eyes. And this is right after Saul had been um, coronated, anointed. That's what they did back in the days. They anointed kings. Nowadays, we coronate kings. But they anointed Saul as king. And this is one of his first acts was like, you know, saving, saving the people from, from, from Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, who were about to gouge out their eyes. So, yeah, so like, this is, that, that was a bizarre story. because and, and it's so funny because up until now, this is like the first time we're hearing about the Ammonites since then. You feel mm -hmm. me? It's been a while. Right. So we have this king that 
you know, he is um, conquering nations. He gets to the Israelites and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to conquer you all. And not only am I going to mm-hmm. conquer you all, I'm going to humiliate you all in the process. You can negotiate with me or not, but this is this is something I do. This is like my trademark. You feel mm-hmm. me? And send your back eyeless. Send, right. So and we know that we know how that ended. The power of the Holy Spirit came on Saul. You know, they for those who are not familiar with the story, this was Saul's first act as king. He went to war and they were victorious. He was inspired by God back then. This was before Saul. Before the star went and going downhill. Right, before the fame got to his head. <laughs> and so now it's it's just so funny, bro. It's bro, this is the same guy that David mm-hmm. is holding out of esteem because of the quote-unquote kindness that was shown to David. So the man that, as his custom was, to gouge out the eye. The eyes of of people, yep. Yes, of people. This is my thing. It's one thing to conquer us in battle, you know. You gouge out our eye, why? What is the reason, bro, right? Like, you you want to humiliate us. You feel me? Exactly, yep. So, like, so this same, and and to me, I can't, see, my thing is, I don't really know what was customary back in those days, what was seen as extreme or not. This is the mm-hmm. only person in the Bible I see that did that specific thing. I think that to be a bit mean and a bit extreme. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think of this guy, this is the way I judge him. And, and he could have changed since then, but I judge him as somebody that's evil, bro. You a sinister king. Hey, we, 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 we did paint him as evil back in that episode. I can't remember which episode that was. I still feel the same way, but David <laughs> and I are not on the same page here. You feel me? He has left an impression on David that leads that that makes David feel somewhat of like indebted to him. And he, he remembered that Nahash was kind to him. You know, Nahash wasn't all bad, I guess, because David, he showed some love to David. What was the love? That we do not have concrete Firm evidence of, yeah. I mean, because speculation wise, right? You would think like, it, it's clear, like, I mean, clearly from this, what we know from the Bible, Nayash and Saul were not friends, correct? That part we could establish. You didn't like me because I gouged out your people's eyes, you came back at me, tried to kill some of my people. We ain't cool at all. So, one would say just like the Philistines, the enemy of my friend is my friend. And yeah, we all we we know it's, it was pretty public knowledge of who David was to these other to these other nations. And it was obviously public knowledge too that David and Saul were not on good terms. Because the Philistines clearly knew that. Plus David was living there. The Moabites knew that because they were kind of watching over David's family. And that's a different story for a different day. So who who knows? Nayash might have been like, I'm going to show David some strength or, you know, be show, show him some kindness as a spit in the face to Saul. Like, we don't want you to be king. I'm not going to recognize you as king. I'm going to just, you know, show David some kindness. So speculation. The Bible doesn't, you know, confirm that, doesn't deny it. But what we do know is that somewhere along the way, at some point in time between, while obviously it'll have to be there while David was in the time of trouble or something, or even... Who knows, right now as king, you might have sent a gift because we know David had to be king for a little while at least. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see Naish just died too. So go for it. 
Right. I judge this. And I think Chronicles kind of enforces this point, though. I judge this as something that happened after David's wars and after him and Mephibosheth reunited. So I think this is like in line with the progression of the story of David. And so, yeah, he would have been a king. He would have been a king for some years now, probably a decade or less. About Exactly. So, and still continuing verse two. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. So David sent his servants, you know, diplomatic duties. We yeah. when a world leader dies, the other prime ministers, presidents, royalties speak out, offer condolences on behalf of their country. So David's essentially doing the same thing. Back in the day, it was a no, you know, CNN and Fox and BBC to, to, to send out formally your stuff. So we present a little delegation. Oh, we heard, we got word that Nehash died. Here's a little delegation going out. So mm-hmm. essentially what David's doing. Send him some, some servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Amnon. And the princes of the people of Amnon said to Hanan, Hanan, their Lord, do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Mm. Has David... Rather, has David not rather sent his servants to search the city, to spy it out and to overthrow it? So again, a little bit more backstory. This is a Canaanite nation. They obviously do not worship the one true God. And so they obviously, again, in the context, David was just, like we said, pointed out last week, conquering a lot of the lands in Canaan. So I could see some little speculation out of, yo, at the end of the day, we ain't friends for real. You know what I'm saying? Israelites, the, I mean, the, the Israelite nation and the Ammonite nation, they weren't like, you know, allied nations up to this point or anything like that. We just see what the, what the Israelites are doing. Why are they really in our nation? Hmm. And, you know, <clears throat> I don't know. See, my thing is this, right? Better safe than sorry. I ain't give the wise men in this corn and Hanun's corner wrong yet? Yet. Right. So, like, my thing is, for you to say this beyond a, a reasonable doubt or beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's that's unwise, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. the stakes high. The consequences can be, can be high, you know? But my thing is, your father did just die, right? In the world that, and I'm sure David is telling the truth, but in the world that, um, um, what's his name? Nahash did show kindness to David's to David, mm-hmm. it would be pretty logical that David is returning kindness to you. You understand exactly. what I'm saying? But the the wise man, I just feel like it would be a chess move. You, the man who is conquering everyone, who may be seen as a master tactician or a master warrior. This is David I'm talking about. If you were to take advantage of the opportunity. And, and like, to me, it is like, it's not honorable. And, you know, honor was big in them days, especially mm-hmm. among kingdoms, like honor is big, right? Mm-hmm. It would be tasteless for you to take advantage of someone's father's death and send out spies um, acting as if, hey, we come in to come for you, but they really spies, you know, that would be tasteless. But it can be seen that that might be a genius idea because who would see it coming? You feel me? And so, like from from um, from Hanun's corner, like I, I, you, you can't rule that out. In my opinion, 
Better be yeah. safe than sorry. You cannot rule the possibility of that out. Yeah, it's 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 like logically. And again, if anyone in the audience has a different spin, this definitely comment below, like, share, subscribe, shameless plug. But continuing the story is like logically, as an advisor to the king, like my job is to advise the king based on the current lay of the landscape. Trusting Israel right now is kind of hard. That's, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like on the outside looking in, this is kind of how the perspective, like we know that David didn't have any ill intentions, right? But it it's interesting. And again, if, if you're waiting, like it's a little different too. If while my father was alive, you probably showed like more of a relationship or more mm-hmm. of an allyship. But now that he's da- died, now you're coming to me. It's a little bit weird. It's a, it's, it's a little bit weird from my perspective. You know what I'm saying? So can I give the, we're the advisors, Wicked? I mean, we, we'll continue the story to make the determination at the end. But like right now at this point, it's like, I can't really. Yeah, I, I can't can, knock them for that. I can see their reasoning. Yeah, I can. I, I, I definitely agree. So now we see in verse four, therefore Hanun took David's servants shaved off half of their heads, cut their garments in the middle at their buttocks, and sent them away. Like father, like son, bro. (laughs) Is this thing about... Okay, so first of all, shaving off the beards of Hebrews back in the day was very disgraceful to the Israelites. Israelite men back in the day, their beards were like if you had a shaved face, you were a slave in the Israelite, in the Israelite nation. So yeah, it was more so of a go for it. No, continue. My fault, bro. I go away. No, I said like it was more so a symbol of pride, honor, respect. It was there, it was like it was a part of their value system. Like, I mean, even if people think of Jews today, they think of like, you know, the long-bearded Jews type people, which I mean it's not the stereotype for everybody. So I don't want to come across that way at all. But it was literally a part of their it was, it was a value in the Jewish society, the Hebrew society, to have a long beard and to show that, hey, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a free man. I can, I can grow my hair as I want. I'm not subject under anybody but God. Yeah, but then part of the Levitical laws was like not shaving your beard, bro, all the side of your head. And I think that's why Orthodox Jews still don't do that to this day. I'm trying to pull up the text. But... Yeah, bro. I think that's a part of the Levitical laws. Um, and then while, let's and see, then, Leviticus oh, go, 19, verse 20, for, yeah. verse, verse 27. It says, You shall not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. Mm-hmm. This against my religion. <laughs> like, for real, bro. Literally. And again, it was to set them apart from all these other nations around them that, that did these things. Again, like, in, the, in this context. So now... Hanon, Hanon just is like literally just disgracing them. And to cut their garments in the middle to their buttocks, it's exposing their nakedness. Mm. And so now you're, you're, and again, in more context, the Hebrews were circumcised. So this would be exposing their circumcision and the Ammonites and other pagan nations looked down upon this too. So more context is kind of why this was so terrible to them. So now I'm still in your land. You're doing this to me. I still have to walk out like this with the clothes on my back that you just destroyed. Everyone now is seeing my nakedness and my circumstances looking down on me even more. I can't go back to my own nation because 
Now I'm humiliated. My beard's shaving off now. I can't, I don't feel comfortable going back into my society. So we're going to see um, in verse five. But hold on, bro. Go for Imagine it. if somebody, forget all of this society and um, religion stuff for a second. Though. If somebody shave off half of your hair <laughs> against your will, you are going to be livid, bro. Very I can't livid. think of, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there, they ain't, ain't going to bother them. But me, especially someone who have hair, bro, I would be very frustrated, bro. See, because one thing, if you if you grow your hair for a while, this time you waste it. Now, nah, you got to start from scratch, maybe. So you wasted my time, but that's like, that's like invaluable, number mm. one. Number two, but if I hold somebody down right now and shave off their eyebrows or something, they could be mad at me. Man or woman. You understand what I'm saying? Because what are you doing? You invading my space, bro. And you, you making me look bad, bro. You, you kind of like, you jimmying me, bro. Like you sunning me, dog. Mm-hmm. But then lastly, if somebody <laughs> cut open your pants, <laughs> cut your bridges off <laughs> to show your hind parts, you walking around and it's colder than usual hey, in the you, back there. Why you sound like someone's <laughs> grandparent, bro? <laughs> I try to be as diplomatic as possible, bro. But and and PC. But my thing is. The back, your backside, cool. You walking, you can feel the breeze. <laughs> no, I ain't even joking, though. I mean, I joking a little bit, but that's not funny, bro. That's like a fight, bro. Like, like to me, that's a fight. And even the fact that I gotta walk home with half a bed, maybe half a hairstyle, and half undergarments, I, I still mad, bro. Even if I win the fight, exactly. You know I mean? And and so, one, it's very degrading. Yeah. It's very embarrassing. And then to even do it. I saw the cake, you doing this stuff foreign dignitary. Mm. And even, even today, if you do anything to ambassadors, it's like you're doing it to the representative, like the leader of the country that it's from. You know what I'm saying? Like you see countries, we ain't, we ain't in a war time right now with different countries, war or whatever, right? But one of the first things they do when they're about to go to war, kicking out the ambassador. Mm-hmm. But just like to show the country's president or leader, I don't want like our, our, our diplomatic, diplomatic ties are severed now. Mm-hmm. I don't rock with you like that. Exactly, closing, shutting down y'all embassy, y'all out of here. I don't, I don't want y'all in my courts no more. And we've seen this essentially with, with what's happening here. Um, to verse five, when they, when they told David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beds have grown and then return. And we see David offered them grace because he know, like here, because he knows what this means to them. Y'all don't, even, y'all don't even have to come back to. To Israel, period. Mm-hmm. Until until y'all get y'all beds grown back, because I know how much of a disgrace this would were to you guys. I'm not going to force you guys to come back in town right now just because I know what you guys are going through and I understand your plight. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so now I just imagine this: like I'd have, I, I, if I was David, I'd have been mad <laughs> personally. Oh, that's for sure, because this means war. Face. That's right. a spit in the face. This means war, my friend. So no more Mr. Nice Guy. Exactly. You just spit in the face of my kindness. I have a little kindness, I have a little kindness streak in the so you go so you could do me. Yeah, and ain't nothing worse than that when someone will pay evil for your for the good you showing them, bro. Your daddy died, bro. I don't I go on up my way to show compassion towards you. I guess some people is mourning mourn in different ways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Nate, um, what his name is Ham Hamun? Hanun? Ha, Hanun Hanun. Right. 
you yeah, that's just how the armor rights were. Or either that or you take after your father, bro. You're always humiliating people. But you know what it is? If your daddy defeat my people, all us walking around with one eye, just just so you can remember for the rest of your life. But yeah, that's the type of people you all was, bro. Oh no, we got we can embarrass you, we can humiliate you. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's that's annoying. Why not detain them and interrogate them? Try and make some sense out of it. Or why not just send them back? That's my thing. If you scared they can spy, hey guys, I ain't rocking with y'all. Just go back to Israel. No disrespect. I don't got nothing. Tell David thank you, but no thanks. That's what I'm saying. So if you ain't sure, why you take a side? Because you you gotta know what come with that. Again, lay it a line. Y'all should know that hey, they are in a very conquering mood right now. Right. <laughs> right. I feel conquering right now. Exactly. <laughs> So when the people of Amnon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the mm. people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians. Some verses might say Armenians, you know, same place of the world today. The Syrians of Beth Roab and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers and from the king of Mahakak, 1,000 men and from Ishtob, 12,000 men. So uh, I think in Chronicles, it does say how much they paid. Oh, yeah, it did. I think it's in First Chronicles 19, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Do you have it handy? I got, I got it right now, but I got the exact text. But I want to say something like a thousand, a thousand per, a thousand shekels or something. Oh, man. I got it. 19 I, verse 6. Verse 6. You got it? No, go on. Go on. My bar. Yeah. So um, when, when the people of Amnon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, Hanun, and the, and the people of Amnon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire themselves, chariots and horsemen from Mesopotamia, from Syrian Makan, and from Zobah. A thousand talents of silver. Hmm. How much was a talent again? I know I used to know this when we were doing. So a talent was about, okay. Put it like this. 20 talents was the price of a slave, right? I think 20 talents was like a... Yeah, something like that. I think I think I think Joseph was sold for 20 talents of silver. Mm-hmm. Either 20 or 30. But around that, so that's the price of a full slave, bro. Like life lifelong slave, right? And that's only 20. You 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 pay in a thousand. So I so I just Google something real quick so we can take this book of salt, right? But it's a new testament. Anyway, a talent would come slightly under four thousand dollars today. One talent, four thousand dollars today. So, four four thousand times what a thousand? They they played a they they played a lot of money. Is essentially what they did. They 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 it's a king. They, they paid a lot of money. That's what essentially we're saying. They paid a lot of money to hire people to go fight against David. That's that's the point we were trying to get at. Yeah, so if it was if it was worth four thousand, let's say let's just just for kicks, if it's four thousand and it's a thousand per, that's four million dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, if we retroactively apply that to those days, 
Because think about it, $4 million a hundred years ago, that's like probably like $50 million or something. You know what I mean? So like imagine back then, bro. Or I think, that, no, no, it actually would be equivalent to him paying $4 million in our time because it was already adjusted with the four I guess, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, right. It's a lot of money. And so they hired for themselves 32,000 charges. still from Chronicles, but yeah, they, 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 they spent a lot of money to get a lot of manpower. Mm-hmm. Um, Bing. So now, now David, now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. This is the first time we're actually hearing about David's mighty men. Mm. They, they, they come to play a little later, but this is the first time we actually hear about David's mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in the in battle array at the entrance gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth, Roab, Ishtab, and Makkah were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in a battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, Remember him? Mm-hmm. So you still have a job. Yeah, still employed. <laughs> him and Joe up. They still employed. They still employed. Yeah. Hey, they good at what they do. Yeah, and they family too, though. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that he might set them in battle against the people of Amnon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Amnon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. And let us be strong for our people in the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. That's, that's powerful too, because it may like, I would assume, and you could correct me if I'm wrong based on some things you've read as well. But I'm assuming they were out like, kind of know they, they're probably slightly outnumbered. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's saying, like, no, and we got, a, we got like two different armies to fight two different factions. You fight this side over here. If they overpower you, we can come and help you. Think about it too. Like in, if in battle, if, if I got to come and help you too, either we winning over here or we just going to say, we just going to concentrate all our forces on this next side. And you know what I'm saying? And likewise, if they too much for me, you come and help me. But we know we got to, we both can, we have to split our forces down in the middle to at least have a slight chance at least of, of winning. But nonetheless, <laughs> be of good courage. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And the Lord will be with us no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. So I do believe that they were outnumbered by the Ammonites and those hired mercenaries or, or whatever. But yeah, these some fighters though, these mighty men, you know, and they they was outnumbered their whole career. They was, it was like 400 of them versus um, Saul army. Not, they ain't really going to war, but, you know, they had to protect themselves all the time. But they did go to war against the people that... Remember they burned. Remember when? Um, anyway, I'm about to go on a tangent, but they, they, David has he has fought and been outnumbered before. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And so in verse 13, so Joab and the people who were with him drew nail for the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the people of Amnon saw the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Amnon and went to Jerusalem. I mean, so let's just think about that, right? Joab and the people who were with them drew near to the Syrians and they fled. Hmm. Man, and because they fled, the other side say, y'all are leaving us here to, get, to die. We got bond and ship too. We out. But just look how good God is though. Hmm. 
Like, Yoli, it ain't even saying that y'all even sound the trumpet for battle yet. Hmm. Y'all just march up. And they're like, yeah, we don't want these problems. We are. Nope. Like, that's, that's a waste of thousand shackles. <laughs> I'd be mad if I spent the money. I would have been mad, bro. But then think about it, right? You go on a job. You, you a hired soldier. You trying to get killed for another country? This ain't my beef. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I got a wife and kids to come home to. <laughs> That's a fact. Why fight a losing battle is the point I'm trying to make. That's a fact. That's a fact. And to me, again, the Bible probably don't, the Bible don't say this right, but I just imagine like the armies of the Lord just was there too. And so when they looked over, they was like, like to us, they might've been outnumbered. But who knows what the Syrians saw when they looked across the battlefield? Because clearly they saw something they didn't want. They didn't want to see, and it's like this too that. much for us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, man. Like that's just that's just powerful. And so now we see in verse 15 when the Syrians saw that they had been. Am I there? Uh, yeah, yeah. So when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Then, oh, this guy again. How did <laughs> so we'd seen the last of you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Hadadizer <laughs> sent and brought up the Syrians who were be who were beyond the river. And they came to Helam and Shabak, the commander of Hadazizar, Hadadizer's army. <laughs> went before them. When it was told to David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and he and, and came to Helam. And the Assyrians set themselves in a battle array against David and fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Assyrians and struck Shabbat, the, the commander of the army who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the were afraid to help the people of Amnon anymore. They're like, "Yeah, guys, we ain't, uh-uh. we ain't doing this no more. This ain't, That's what I'm saying, bro. This ain't turned out good for us. This is the second <laughs> time it ain't turned out good for them, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they don't learn. <laughs> no." They do not learn. So, I mean, that's the end of the chapter. It's pretty interesting. It's actually a pretty interesting chapter. Yeah. So, again, I do not understand. I mean, I understand it, but you know, you gotta you gotta be wise, bro. Like the things you do have big implications. You know, the things you do have big outcomes. And David, who is continuing to do things by the book. David is continuing to do things by the book. David, he he looked good as a king so far, like mm-hmm. insulting God before everything, you know. He ain't moving out of vengeance. You know what I'm saying? Like he he protecting his, his men. He protecting the cities of God. And he's being kind. He's going out his way to show kind. You on top of the world right now, bro. That's just my depiction of it. You just been the two or three wars and you win all of them. And you fighting these people multiple times. You keep winning. You know what I mean? And you got this big, nice city. You got the ark. You know, we talking about building a temple one day. Things are looking good. You doing, you doing, you being charitable. You, you keeping the oats that you, that you took. You were paying people 
that showed you kindness. I'm assuming um, Neha showed him kindness when it, he was when David was on the run from Saul. Mm-hmm. It have to be, I think. But and now, out of all this time, everybody you don't show kindness to, they appreciate it, you know. But this one guy, for some reason, repay your kindness with humiliation. Declare war. And then after that, instantly, he hires some of your enemies. You just been to war with the Syrians mm-hmm. two chapters ago. You hire Syrians, right? And when they run away, the king of the, of the Syrians and their army, their whole army comes. So this was a freebie. The Ammonites, they pay for however many foot soldiers, but they get probably double, mm-hmm. double that amount or even more because we only know how much people die. We ain't even know how much people was, was out on the field. That's a fact. And so, and it's like all of this because I think jealousy, you know what I'm saying? Envy. And just, I just feel like, I don't want to say stupidity because that might be insensitive, but that was a bad move. That was just overall a bad move. You could see that tensions were still around between Israel and the Ammonites ever since Saul um, defeated Nahash. Mm-hmm. We, don't hear about the, we don't hear about the Ammonites trying to fight them again, you know. We don't hear about that. We don't even hear about the Ammonites like that no more. I don't, I don't think we heard about the Ammonites since that time. But it's obviously still smoke because the advisors looking at David like, bro, this man is not an ally. This man is an enemy, bro. They don't even have no evidence that David was coming to spy. David don't mm-hmm. even move like that. You know what I mean? We don't even know David to send out spies. He probably did. You know what I mean? You know, David one time, he, he, he him and... Um, I can't remember what the guy named. They going over the soil camp and they were sleeping. You see, they see and they scope on mm. the scene. They see they was in a deep sleep. You know what I mean? But yeah, bro. Wasn't I it Abishai? I think it was Abishai, but I, I think don't it was Abishai. I, I really do think it was Abishai. Yeah. And Abishai was like, boy, kill him. I'll, I'll kill him. <laughs> boy, I'll do it. I, I wouldn't even hit him twice. <laughs> One shot. <laughs> you feel me? But at the end of the day, we can see the we can see the we can see the tension between David. And the Ammonites is on David and the Syrians, but they, you know, God is continuing to be with David because David is continuing to consult God and do things by the book, by the letter of the law, you know. But it just ain't working out for Nahum. No, what his name is? Hanun. Hanun. <laughs> Hanun. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting too. Like one thing I one thing that kind of struck me too at the end, we see that like. David knew how important this battle was, so he took the field himself. You know what I'm saying? It's worth one thing to just leave it to Joab and, and Abishai. But after a while, he's like, you know what? I need to take the field myself. And we see like David himself came out for this war. And to me, that's still impressive because, I mean, he didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I just finished doing all these other conquering raids. I trust my army and my generals so they can handle their business. But the disrespect you guys showed was so severe that I need to come out here. I'm sure you guys said, no, this is not, this is not acceptable. You know what I'm saying? I need to go here to motivate my men. Yeah, we're going to be outnumbered. So what? We got God on our side. And if God's on our side, are we ever really outnumbered? And David knew that. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so powerful that they didn't really do anything. But since God was with them, they still won. And because these people fled without fighting, they got devastated. Hmm. For lack of a better word, they just got devastated across the Euphrates or whichever river they crossed. I mean, <laughs> like, you know what it, go for it. You know what it remind me of, bro? 
I remember every now and then we used to get into these quote-unquote advanced theological topics. I, I don't even know if this really advanced, but sometimes we used to be talking about like principalities and which role the devil and, you know, the, the spirits, the wicked forces that we fight against daily, mm-hmm. that we wrestle against daily. What role do they play? You know, some people, you know, you know, it's all, it's all kind of folklore. It's people who say they see ghosts, they see this, they see that. You know, we did talk about necromancy some chapters, some episodes back and all that. And we um we we wonder or we discuss like what is demonic activity, like what's that look like? You know what I'm saying? Like how much should that be on your mind? Like preparing for that or what do you do? You know what I'm saying? But you gotta understand like great is he that's within me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And he that's within the world. Like mm-hmm. David, them they outnumbered. It's, it's country versus country, except y'all hiring a whole other country and they 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 have a reason, they have a vendetta against me, you know? I had to break my my army into two. Y'all coming with two separate armies, you feel me? But y'all <laughs> still was outnumbered, you know why? Because God was on our side. It reminded me, it reminded us of Gideon. They had like 100,000 soldiers on camels, but Gideon and his three, three um, and I think that was like the Amalekites, he had 300, Soldiers, they come with their pots, with their torches inside, and that shake everybody up till they get scared. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's like, bro, if we think about, and trigger one, I'm about to talk about demons, bro. Like, we think about the the, the spiritual wickedness, because we, as Christians, sometimes we blame the, the, everything on the devil. And I know we talk about the devil as an entity, but mm-hmm. I don't believe personally the devil has ever even interacted with the cards you understand what i'm saying like i don't know small fish to fry <laughs> right unless i'm the chosen one you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> unless it's a, a big a big huge calling on my life and i claim that in the name of jesus but the thing about it is we know that a third of his ang- of the angels became demons right but mathematically right if one third are demons, and then there are two thirds of angels, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, Mark. So, like, I feel like, and this is easier said than done, but the only time that we are really to be to fail is when we are outside of communion with God, bro. Mm. Like we're not when we're not walking with God, or when we do not have a relationship with God, mm. we do not have the tools, or we don't we do not even know how to go to war against the enemy. Mm. When we read the Bible, the devil himself literally came to Jesus, the the actual guy, right? He came he came to Jesus when Jesus was physically weak. Jesus quote scripture all day, the book of Deuteronomy specifically, and that's a book where people say, "Oh, that all done away with." You know what I'm saying? Jesus used that in the New Testament to fight against the principalities or against the wickedness the devil was coming from. When we think about the the whole armor of God, the only weapon that is mentioned is the sword of the spirit, which Mm -hmm. is the word. You understand what I'm saying? So if we ain't even in the word, we we come in unequipped. We come in unarmed. Mm -hmm. We come in with a nothing in a gunfight or in in whatever fight, but we come in completely unarmed. You know, what I mean? it goes back to even how we started, where you are what you consume. Mm. You think about it now. The only weapon against the devil is the word, mm. the living word of God. That is our only weapon, man. Mm. And so when you do brush up against some of these 
demons, demonic people, principalities, strongholds, dark places. All these entities in the, in the spiritual realm of the dark spiritual realm. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is your, what is, what is your offense? Mm. Yeah, you got the, you got the shield of faith. It is the shield mm-hmm. of faith, right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ephesians like five or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's Ephesians. Um, I think it's the shield of faith and the sword of spirit. You got off the faith, but your only, your only, your only way to fight back is to know God. It's to know, it's to know the word of God. That's not our only offense. So that's our only, only offense. offense. And that's powerful. You know what hmm. I'm saying? Because he could have he could have the sword of faith. Like you gotta have the faith. No, right. you want to fight back. Your faith only could do. Your faith only could put up a little bit of defense. Hmm. But your only offense against the devil is the word of God. That hmm. is the only offense, man. That's powerful, right there. Like that. That's a word in itself. No pun yeah, intended. Ephesians six. Ephesians six. But yeah, no. In all honesty, bro. So full circle moment, just like you say, bro. The blast man consumes certain things. Cause he on a path, bro. It's just like my sermon, bro. The blast man on a path, bro. Mm-hmm. You can't expect the path of the ungodly to lead you to God. That's just a contradiction, bro. That just don't make sense, bro. I can't expect to eat pizza and Twinkies and all these other things and be looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, bro. That's a fact. It's, it's bro, it just is it's impossible, bro. It's impossible, you know. In the same way, I cannot expect to go to war, spiritual battles against the enemy unarmed and win. Mm-hmm. I cannot expect to win that. And first of all, I can't win it. Nothing I can do. The only thing I can rely on, I can play defense, you know, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. Amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like all of these things, right? But the only offense I can play is with the word, bro. It's with the word, bro. So like just just like you say, bro, full circle moment, dog. The way we start, the way we end it, bro. Like Psalms, Psalms one, Ephesians, Ephesians six. That's where we get the um the whole armor of God. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like Corinthians like seven or something like that. But basically, you are what you consume. A war has broken out between the Israelites and the Ammonites, all because of a misunderstood gesture. David's generosity towards Hanun led to suspicions among the Ammonites, to which they responded by humiliating David's men. Hanun wrongfully conspired against David, and now a war has begun. But believe it or not, David is about to do the same thing to one of his men. But we'll talk more about that on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your host, Earl Roberts, and The Cars Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at a breath of fresh air pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks everyone. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>